Welcome to this week's episode of the Running Effect with Dominic's Leader. I'm your host, Dominic, but actually not really because today we're reversing roles a little bit and I'm actually being interviewed by my good friend, Elise Cranny. So this podcast is a very unique one. In July 2020, I started The Running Effect, and since then I've had the great privilege of speaking to over 60-plus amazing guests. Many of you who are avid listeners of the podcast probably don't know the origins of the podcast. So when my good friend Elise Cranny came to me with the idea of doing a show, giving listeners an inside look at who I am and how The Running Effect started, I couldn't pass up the opportunity. So in today's episode, we go through my start in the sport of running, which is actually quite hilarious, probably the funniest start in the sport of running story I've ever heard, uh, where the idea of starting the podcast came from, lessons learned from almost 60 episodes, and many other fun questions that give you all an inside look at who I am, my history in the sport of running, and especially the start of the running effect, the future of the running effect, and so, so much more. So I hope this episode will give you all an inside look at the inner workings of this podcast and what our future plans look like. Starting a podcast at 15 years old is far from normal, but I'm immensely glad I did and certainly do not regret it. Being able to help fellow young runners in their pursuit of success is a very rewarding feeling. I hope to continue to push the sport forward through this podcast in the coming months, years, or whatever it might look like. Lastly, a massive thank you to Elise for hosting this episode. She's been one of my biggest supporters from day one and is constantly helping out behind the scenes. I joke that she's the CEO of The Running Effect, but twisting the meaning to Chief Encouragement Officer. (laughs) Elise is truly one of the most selfless, encouraging, and kindest people I've ever had the privilege to know. One of the most important pieces of advice I was given early in life was to surround yourself with people who will push you to be the best version of yourself. Elise has certainly done that and then some for me. Not only has Elise helped me become a better human being, but has helped improve this podcast as well. Professional athletes will always say that they strive to be good athletes on and off the track, and Elise Cranny is the gold standard for that. So with that being said, if you want to help us out, please like, subscribe, and share, and you can also give us a five-star review on Spotify. I would really appreciate it if you all did that. So without further ado, here is uh, Elise Cranny's conversation with myself, Dominic Schleter. Let's get into it. All right, well, we have a little uh, role reversal today, Dominic. I'm excited, uh, excited for your listeners to hear and learn a little bit more about you. I'm excited to talk to you. So thank you for, I guess, having me on the podcast to, to interview you today. <laughs> well, they say third time's the charm. And in this case, third time's the charm for role reversal. Um, this is your third time on the podcast, but you get to play the host this time. So um, an absolute pleasure to have you interview me. It's weird to say those words, but yeah, I'm very excited to dive into the running effect story, my own personal running story, and so much more. So- no, I'm, I'm pumped, pumped to be here, and thank you for being willing to, yeah, let me finally ask you some questions. <laughs> so I guess with that, we can um, kick it right off. Can you tell us how you got your start in running? Yeah, so I have a very, very unique start in running. So this story might be a little long-winded, but it's a fun one, I promise. So 
I grew up in Erie, Pennsylvania, and Erie is one of the snowiest towns in America. I know it's the snowiest town in Pennsylvania. And just putting that in perspective, I believe they get an average of like 101 inches like per winter, so per year, but obviously only snow comes in winter. So it's like snowing constantly in Erie, which means that being outside as a kid is hard to do and it's harder to be active in that season. So my genius dad came up with the idea of um, going to the YMCA, which was about uh, two miles, it's like it was two miles away from our house, so it was very convenient. And his genius idea was um, he, we woke up, so I'm, I'm one of uh, six kids, so I have five older siblings. So this probably sounds more brutal because I was five years old at the time. So it wasn't as brutal for my older siblings. But essentially what my dad did is we woke up at 6 a.m. three days a week in the winter and we would go to the YMCA and uh, we they had this uh, above the basketball courts. They had this, um, I believe it was 20 laps to a mile track. So I should never complain about running in ovals again because I'm sure that was brutal for a five-year-old. But And basically what we would do is uh, we would run for 30 minutes uh, three times a week and then the other two days a week I think we would swim, which at five years old I was really messing around more than I was actually swimming. Um, but anyway, so that's really how I got my start in the sport of running was waking up at 6 a.m. in the winter to go run 30 minutes uh, on this YMCA uh, upstairs track. So very, very unique uh, experience in starting the sport of running, but uh, it's a very fun story to tell and certainly unique to most people's start where it's like they played soccer and then they decided they'd be better at running. So there's that, that's how I got my start in the sport of running. Yeah, your, your dad was hardcore having you out there in those, those winter months taking you to the YMCA and, and starting at, at the age of five. So when did you you know, like when did it kind of, did you always love it or when did it kind of become more of your own thing and something that you were like, hey, I really want to, you know, do this maybe throughout middle school and into high school? Yeah, totally. So it all goes back to the YMCA. So I didn't really like, I didn't really like running. I mean, what kid likes waking up at 6 a.m.? But there was this one day. So as I said, I have five older siblings and one of my older sisters, Catherine, she is, I believe, three years older than me. And at this point of, you know, development as a kid, boys don't have that much advantage over girls. It's very equal at that point. And uh, so there was this one day at the YMCA where I just decided to be an absolute menace and run as hard as possible for these 30 minutes. Because normally we would like sandbag it and we were half asleep and not, we definitely not giving our full effort for those 30 minutes. But this one day I was like, I'm feeling good. I'm just going to absolutely tear up the track. So this one day I decided to just go after it. And my two older brothers were cheering me the whole way, basically to see how many times I could lap my sister, Catherine, who was three years older. So then I basically did that for bragging rights of, you know, uh, oh, I beat you, Catherine, and you're three years older. So that was probably like one of the first experiences of me actually enjoying running. I feel like I viewed it more as a chore uh, back then. But like as a five-year-old, I really don't expect you to enjoy running. And I certainly don't plan on making my kids run when they're five years old. But uh, where also I lived in Pennsylvania, the church I went to, St. George, they had this program with uh, other Catholic schools uh, of like cross-country meets once or twice a week. And they actually started out in kindergarten. So very early start for me. So kindergarten was like when I started like official running. 
And I think I, you know, as I just mentioned of me beating my sister who was three years older, I think I, that's when I like kind of found out that I was somewhat decent at it. And my two older brothers definitely encouraged me. And, um, as with most things, when you think you're good at it, you kind of want to stick with it. So for the most part, I always have enjoyed running and, um, it was always just a, a fun thing to do. And, of course, being the youngest, you want to do what your older siblings do. And all of my older siblings did cross country. So it was just very natural for me to want to run and uh, want to enjoy it. I never really, it was always an exciting thing to go to cross country practice and run. Um, I think especially, you know, youth programs do a good job of making it a very fun thing and, you know, having freeze pops and not taking it too seriously. I definitely did not know what a workout or track workout was or any of those terminology. And it was more just like for the fun of it um I obviously had no clue of running as a thing in high school even because I was so young uh well like meaning in the earlier years I didn't really know running was a thing and I really didn't know that marathons were a thing or any of that it was a very pure form of like love for the sport so yeah a long-winded way to answer your question but I've always really enjoyed uh running that's awesome and you uh you got kind of the taste of like the competitive nature of the sport. Totally. Early on with your with your older sister. Yep, totally. <laughs> it drew you in. <laughs> um, well, what does you know having run since you were five years old? What does running mean to you now? And what are some of the biggest lessons that it's taught you over your you know your many years of running into high school now? That is a very deep question. Uh, running means a lot to me. Uh, again, I've always loved it, and it's always been an outlet where I can express any emotion. So if I'm having an amazing day, I can go to running and you know think about whatever amazing thing happened to me during that run and just experience the flow state of running, or vice versa. If I'm having an absolute horrible day and you know everything's going wrong or I I did bad on a test or something. It's some external factor kind of has me off. I can turn to running and uh, running is just such a pure form of like your emotion and um, unwinding mentally. I feel like, you know, there's the saying and I truly believe it's true of like, you'll never regret going for a run. And um, I think running just is an outlet in which I can express many things. And uh, there's nothing like the feeling of going for a run. I know... <laughs> in the Midwest anyway, and I guess you probably experience it too in Portland, you have bad weather days or whatnot. And those, those days make running a little more of a chore. But at the end of the day, I feel like those are the runs where it's the most, you, you get the most satisfaction out of it because it was a bit more of a challenge. But then in the summer or whatever, you know, it's like every day, it's like, why wouldn't I go for a run? It's just so nice out. So that's kind of what running means to me. Now, what are the biggest lessons it's taught me? Oh, that is a very, very hard question. Running, I think, and I've told you this, is like all the lessons you learn in running are super applicable to life as well. Um, I think the consistency factor in running is definitely a big factor. Um, you're really only, unless you're like freakishly talented, you're really only going to get good at something if you're consistent in it, um, especially in running, but also in life. And um, certainly... 
back then as a kid, I wasn't super consistent with running. And uh, because of that, I experienced mediocre results. But then when I started becoming more consistent, that's when I started kind of fulfilling my potential, which is obviously ultimate, the ultimate goal. And then also in life, it's like, if you want to be good at something, you have to be consistent with it or with the podcast, right? I can't come out with an episode every month and expect it to do well. Uh, I need to be consistent with it. And um, obviously, there's no particular number to it. But like, as an example, getting out a podcast every week, that consistency is what's going to show you the results. Um, I think another lesson it's taught me is to be process oriented. I think it's very important in life and running and podcast or whatever to focus on the present moment and focus on the process and focus on um, what you can do in that very day to be your best self. Uh, Because if you focus on the past or the future, you just get caught up in results and uh, compare yourself to your past self or worry about the future. And it's very important to, one, forget the past, but uh, two, um, instead of like worrying about the future, Focus on the things you can do today to uh, affect the future, right? So if you want to run nine flat in the two mile, I'm not going to think about running nine flat in the two mile all day. Instead, I'm going to be process oriented and focus on what I can do in this individual day to lay the bricks to eventually hit that goal. I can't just be focusing on that. So I think consistency, uh, being process oriented, Um, I think another one is taking risks. Like, I think you have to take calculated risks in running, specifically training, trying out new things. Um, But then also that I think applies to life. You have to take risks in life and you can't be always within this safe shell because if you're within that safe shell, you're never actually going to experience the things you want to. And almost in my mindset, it's like, I want to stand on the starting line Uh, knowing I did everything I could have possibly done to be in the best shape possible. And if that meant taking some risks along the way, I totally will take those risks. So I think those are, again, I could be here all day talking about the lessons running has taught me, but I think consistency, being process-oriented, and taking risks are three of the big ones. Wow, this is is the answer we've been uh, waiting for. (laughs) Listeners can finally get get all the the wisdom from Dominic so I appreciate I love it that. and I love <laughs> I love you know what you said about it just being so um applicable to life as well like Vanessa and I were actually just talking about that this morning we were just talking about you know the lessons that you learn in running how they're so applicable to you know how you approach schoolwork or how you approach you know like you said podcasting and how you approach you know any job that you would get down the line it's just those lessons translate so well to like how you're living your life and like the things that you know you do in your life outside of running which I think is is something that makes it so special as well yeah absolutely one other point uh, on that subject uh there's this phrase I love um and it comes from uh Stephen Magnus and Brad Stahlberg in their book Peak Performance is this idea and principle of stress plus rest equals growth. And that is very applicable to both life and running, as we were just talking about, right? So on a running level, you need to put some stress in order to grow. And then you also need to rest in some sort of way to grow because really all running or track workouts are doing is just breaking down your body and the adaptations take place during the rest. So if you're stressing too much, you're not going to grow. But if you're resting too much, you're not going to grow. 
Same thing with life. Uh, you can't stress too much. Uh, you need an adequate amount of rest to grow. And you could uh, fill in that with life things. You could fill in that with podcast things. You could fill in that with school things. But yeah, I completely agree that uh, life and running kind of go hand in hand. And I think that's why you see a lot of times the smartest kids at school are runners or like the the most developed kids are runners, uh, like especially in high school. And there's just kind of this stigma in high school that, oh, well, you know, the runners are the good, virtuous, smart kids. And I think a big reason of that um, is just because almost we're learning about life through our experiences in running. Um, so, yeah, those are some more thoughts for you. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. And you kind of, this is kind of going off, you know, you talked about the importance of you know, the big lesson of being process oriented. So kind of moving into like your goals, like what are some process and outcome goals that you're like looking forward to tackling over the next year? Yeah, uh, that's tough. Part of the thing is in my high school career, I really haven't had too many races I'm proud of, which is tough to say, um, but it, it's just how I feel. So I'm more kind of approaching things from a process standpoint, especially this season. Um, so from a, just speaking from a process standpoint to start out with, um, one thing, uh, and you definitely have talked about this, but is the mental side of running. I don't think I focus enough on that. And one particular thing I want to start doing more is visualizing every day, whether that be five or 10 minutes. Um, it doesn't have to be anything extraordinary, but small little things like that can play a massive role down the road. So Focusing on the mental side is one process thing I want to focus on. Another thing is, and I've definitely gotten way better about this over my career, um, not to sound like I'm a professional or anything, just using a little story. Back in middle school, I and we'll probably get into this when we talk about the start of the podcast, but back in middle school, if I had a bad workout or something and I did it in the morning, I would be so frustrated with myself all day that I would go out and repeat that workout later that night. So for instance, there was this one time, I think it was like in fifth grade, and I time trialed a mile in our neighborhood. Don't ask me why. It's a very random thing for a fifth grader to do. And I ran 5.30 on the dot. And I was, I was like happy, but I was also extremely frustrated that I didn't break 5.30. So literally like four hours later, I pull one of my sisters to go on the bike and pace me. And I'm like, I'm going to break 5.30. And uh, just because I was so caught up in this result that I hadn't done it. So I, I, I think I ended up not finishing because, right, I mean, your body's going to be very tired from an all-out <laughs> effort. So using that as an example, um, and I've again, I've definitely gotten better at this, but um, dealing with setbacks or bad workouts or bad races in a better view. So like if I have a bad race or something, realizing that it's all a part of the process, um, so I guess using process in the, in the term of process oriented in the question, but yeah, just, uh, realizing it's all a part of the process and to not get so fixated on, um, that specific result. So I, that's another process thing I want to focus on. Um, and you know, visualization or working on the mental side is definitely a quote unquote little thing, but I think something that probably most runners say from a process standpoint is focusing on the little things. Um, I think we all can do a better job of doing that. Um, and especially, you know, when you're coming back from injury, you definitely want to stay on top of the little things so you don't get injured again. But from an outcome goal standpoint, uh, this season, I would definitely love to 
go under 940 in the two mile. That's my primary event. Um, I think I was this past indoor season before getting injured. Definitely was very close to that. Um, so I can only imagine with more training and, uh, and more training and a better mindset moving forward. I definitely think that's, uh, it's like one of those goals where I know I can do it, but it's also out of reach enough to the point where I scratch my head, which I think is the perfect mix for a goal. So that's definitely a goal. And then even uh, looking way forward to this next cross-country season, uh, last season, and we might get into this for cross-country, I ended up having a heel injury, which took me out for a month, but it took me out in a very important month in the beginning of the season, which kind of wiped out any previous training I had done and gave me like three weeks to get ready for the postseason. And I ended up qualifying for the state championships, but it was a bittersweet thing where I didn't really perform well at the state championships, but I was also very thrilled that I even made it there based on my circumstances. So going down the road, uh, I want to I want to, at least in cross-country season, I know this is way down the line and definitely not uh, being present moment focused, but I think uh, placing top 10, even top 20, I wouldn't be mad with, but top 10 in the state for Division One Ohio cross-country would definitely be a dream come true. And um, whether I do that or not, uh, we'll see, but that's definitely the goal and I'm definitely going to work towards that. So those are some uh, process and outcome goals for you over the next few months. And then also, just one last thing, uh, staying injury-free. I know that's very tough and a lot of times out of our control, but um, running pain-free is something that you can't put a price on, and I would love to be able to do that (laughs) the rest of my life. But obviously, that's not going to happen. But hopefully, over the next few months, uh, I can accomplish that. For sure. No, I think that's a great goal. I mean, you know, I hadn't thought about it um, until you know the beginning of like last year or something kind of of like making setting that intention and that goal to stay healthy and I think you know when you talk about the importance of the mindset piece I think that goes a really long way of like you know setting an intention before the year or the season of like I'm going to stay healthy and and do everything I can to try to do that because then I think you know that allows you to be like even smarter along the process too of like, you know, okay, if something's bothering you, like, do you need to just, you know, maybe miss a workout or take a day off? And I think it's kind of, in some ways it's easier to do that. And I think find that consistency that you were talking about earlier, because you're not going to miss big chunks of time. Cause when your goal is to stay healthy, you can really kind of be in the present and focus on like, okay, what do I, what's a smart decision for today? You know, with that like overarching goal of, staying healthy which I think you know goes into you wanting to you know break 942 and you talked about that earlier as well like that consistency piece plus you know those um process goals of like working on visualization the mindset I think those two things like will come together in a in a big way to like allow you to to chase those big goals that you have and you know I think like you said as well like you've you've found the perfect, you know, balance in terms of goals needing to be, you know, attainable, but also feel like they're kind of just on the edge where you're like, you know, can I do this? You know? So it's like, you're moving toward it. Um, but it's like exciting to me moving toward it. And there's like that little bit of uncertainty, but I think that, you know, keeps you coming back for more and make sure you're not limiting yourself because it's something that's, you know, challenging enough, but also within reach to be, 
you know, exciting as you, as you move toward it, which I think is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Also, just like another goal and even speaking more on that, I think one, very few people will ever experience this in their life because it's such a hard thing to do. But I want to have a race where I just leave it all out there because it's impossible to not be proud if you give an effort such as that. And uh, like there are people like I want to be that guy that passes out at the finish line. I never have been. And in the race, I don't want to be that guy. But I think that's something that's very attractive because it shows you give it your all. And like, I think part of the beauty of running is someone could be someone could legitimately run a 30 minute 5k and then you have Elise Cranny running 30 minutes in the 10k but they could display the same effort and uh, I think that's something that is definitely not in any other sport where you can have two people on way different spectrums but they're still putting in the same amount of work and same amount of effort and uh, yeah I think that's something that's uh, very special about the sport of running. Oh, I completely agree. I mean, I think it's like, I don't know, it's like the raw, it's just like so like raw and pure, right? It's like, um, and I think we've like talked about this before, but so like not to sound cliche, but I think that's where it's like, you know, you think about like your why in doing the sport and so much of it is like to see, you know, how much you can squeeze out of yourself and like where your potential truly lies. And I think that's something that's, so cool is like everyone's just trying to see where their potential is and to try to be at like their own personal best and so I think you know when you talk about that like in any sort of race or competition it's like if everyone's doing that you know you want everyone to be finishing and coming across the line knowing like you did the best that you could and you couldn't have like squeezed any more out of yourself because I think you know like you said it's like that's something like to be really proud of because you couldn't have done anything else, you know, and knowing like having that feeling of crossing the line and, and knowing you, you gave it your all. And I remember I was talking to someone recently actually kind of about this and it was like, you know, would you like rather win, but know that you like had more there or would you rather, you know, I don't know, for example, like get second, but know that you, you gave it your all. And I think that's where it comes back to like you're saying of thinking about really like what is the purpose of sport and what is, you know, my why behind running. And I think like hearing you talk is like, you know, making that a goal and wanting to maximize yourself. It's like, then you'd rather come second and be pushed to your, your very best. Cause that means you're, you know, closer or you're finding, finding your limit and your potential, which I think is, like the coolest thing about this sport is just how you can really push yourself and find where where that line is. Yeah, absolutely. There's a quote I love from the Elise Cranny from our first episode with each other, speaking on your why, and you said, my why is just seeing how much you can get out of yourself. Running is such a pure, raw form of that, challenging yourself and doing things you thought you couldn't do. And uh, I personally couldn't agree any more with that quote but and agree with what you were just talking about. But yeah, I think that's like at least personally i i my why statement is almost identical to yours and it's like i want to see how much i can get out of myself right god only gave me so much talent and i want to maximize that whether that means i run you know 320 in the mile or 5 minutes in the mile um i guess i've already done that so but my point is um i want to maximize like the talent 
God has given me. And I think a lot of times people get fixated on results and compare themselves to others. There's this quote I love, and I think it's very applicable to everyone, and it's comparison is the thief of joy, right? And once you start comparing yourself to others, that's when it doesn't become fun anymore. Like if I compared myself to Sean McGordy in high school, I might as well have given up already, right? Because I'm just nowhere near it. But that doesn't mean I can't have a fulfilling running career, or it doesn't mean I can't work hard and challenge myself. Like even in your case, your coach, Shalane Flanagan, who I'm sure you watched in high school, if all you did was compare yourself to her, you probably would have given up a long time ago just because she was so much faster at a certain point. But instead, you focused on yourself and focused on the process. And of course, the process is a process. And over time, uh, you became faster and better to the point where now you're breaking her records. So I think that's a very important uh, lesson that everyone should learn is that to focus on yourself and not focus about the people around you and to focus on the effort that you're giving because you're the only one who controls the effort you're giving, whether that's in workouts or in races. I think it's very important to take ownership for what you're personally doing and not get caught up in what other people are doing. And I know that's a super hard thing, uh, especially in 2022, where you know everyone's posting their workout on Instagram or Strava or Twitter or whatever, and people are so fixated on social media. But uh, that's only going to be a detriment to your running and well-being. Um, and I think like a big thing to take away is to focus on yourself and focus on the process of yourself. And again, whether that means you're running 30 minutes in the 5K or 30 minutes in the 10K, both are amazing as long as you give it your all in workouts and in uh, races. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I, again, I think that's a really special special part about running is like it's this community where you know everyone can really like relate on such a deep level too because everyone's trying to maximize you know themselves and basically get to the finish line having done everything they could to get to the start line and then given their best effort you know in the race or the run or competition or, or whatever it is and I think that's it is it is so special so mm-hmm. and that's totally. when you learn all those lessons that you've you've talked about along the way um so you touched on this a little bit um just you know having your heel injury last cross country season and then you know dealing with um a little bit of an injury during the indoor season so um how have you you know handled injuries when they've come up and you know kind of what have you learned about yourself um, through dealing with setbacks and kind of how have you maintained, you know, a positive mindset? Yeah, I think I have dealt with injuries like most people to start out with where you're just like, oh my goodness, what is going on? Like, I feel like when you get injured, at least me personally, it's like when I'm starting to get ridiculously fit and it's just crushing because injuries generally like come as a progression so it's like ooh, I'm having some Achilles pain and then you run through it for a week and then it slowly gets worse and your hope slowly crumbles a little bit more each day um so I handle injuries like most people in the beginning where it's like you're just kind of devastated like what is going on and especially last cross-country season I had a very bizarre case where I felt completely healthy going into my first race and then I crossed the finish line in my first race And all of a sudden, I couldn't really walk without pain in my heel. And that pain persisted for over a month. So that was a very unique case where it was like all of a sudden. Um, But for the most part, generally, 
injuries, at least for me, have been gradual of like, you know, you slowly start to realize your fate. Um, so I definitely haven't handled injuries the best. I think the first few days or week of an injury, it's totally good to, as cheesy as it sounds, throw a pity party for yourself because it is a tough stage. Um, but after that, I've tried to deal with them in the best way possible of being process oriented and focusing on the process rather than the outcome. And honestly, I truly believe from a physical standpoint that uh, if you can cross train your butt off, you won't lose that much fitness, which is easier said than done in the brutal Midwest winter. But last uh, cross country season, it was a lot easier when the weather was better. Uh, but also mentally, I think you can, again, the mental side of running, like you can become so much more mentally strong uh, from taking time off from running than just running, right? So like, I feel like uh, going for a two-hour bike ride as a runner when you're injured and all you want to do is run is some of the best mental like workout you can get in, right? Because it's the last thing on earth you want to do. And uh, riding on a bike, at least for me, is not very fun when all you see is just riding in a straight line. And uh, I think that's very tough. So I think it's important to focus on the process and focus on the little things of how you can get better, uh, whether that's the mental side of running, whether that's, you know, if you have a sore Achilles, working on doing calf raises and such, doing the little things um, that you can do to maximize your performance when you come back. And then as for some of the things I've learned uh, about uh, dealing with setbacks. I think the biggest thing I've learned is that uh, success isn't linear. Uh, and I think you certainly see that with every single person's career who's been successful. Like you see it with your own career, at least where whether you've uh, dealt with injury or something else, like success is never going to be linear. So it's okay. And realizing that people way better than yourself have dealt with this and come out of it stronger. Uh, I like using the example of Sean of like having three Achilles surgeries and then he runs a world standard like a few months later. Like people like that, that you can be like, oh, if they did it, why can't I do it? Right. Um, so I think one lesson I've learned is to look to others and look to people better than yourself and seek advice and seek to understand their situation when they were in it so that you can use the lessons they uh, learned and they can teach those to you. And then also kind of playing off of that, I think in the grand scheme of things, injuries aren't necessarily a bad thing. I think you really, again, learn those mental skills, but also learn that, as I was saying, success isn't always linear and things don't have to go perfectly according to plan in order to achieve success or achieve your goal. Whether that's a bad workout in a training block or whether that's having to take a week or two off due to calf pain or hamstring pain, it's like in the grand scheme of things, you'll probably still reach your goal and uh, things don't like I think it's a very important thing to stress that things don't have to go perfect uh, things don't have to go according to perfect plan um, in order for you to achieve your goals like obviously last cross-country season I wanted to place better at states but you know the underlying goal was making it to states and that still ended up happening even though I had only like four weeks of training in my legs and um, I remember texting my coach when I got back from my PT's office and he kind of delivered the crushing news that, you know, probably wasn't, you know, my season was probably going to be cut short. And uh, I just wanted to cry. And I, I texted him and I was like, yeah, well, 
this season's kind of a wash. Like, you know, nothing's going to happen. I guess we'll look forward to track. And he was like, well, you never know. Like, uh, stay optimistic. And um, I'm glad I did because if I didn't, it would have been a lot harder to get through that time. So, yeah, that's a that's a long-winded answer, but hopefully it made sense. No, that makes a lot of sense. I feel like you have so many good, like, nuggets of wisdom in there. I think, you know, like you said, I think the – I think it's super important, like you said, when you first, like, hear the news or you first find out you're injured to, like, really feel it and, like you said, you know, throw a pity party. I think that's part of, like, then being able to, you know, make a plan and move forward. And then I think, like, I loved what you said about, you know, focusing on just, like, building mental toughness. I think that, like, going through injuries and going through cross-training because it's not, you know, nearly as fun as running, like, all of those pieces are such like a huge opportunity to you know make um gains in the mental side and that and that mental toughness and I think you know it's like really inspiring to hear when you know I've been talking to you about like just like you said you didn't think you were going to race and then it was like you only had four weeks of training but it's like you had a positive mindset and like stood on the line just being like really excited to you know see what you can do and ended up qualifying for states when you you know thought that your whole season was over so I think that's like a really important takeaway for for other people too is just like you know never like count yourself out no matter how much training you've had and you know knowing that you can put in a lot of good work both mentally and physically uh cross training and then if you kind of you know have that belief and and confidence that even with that missed time or like you said you know the not perfect build-up um that doesn't mean you you should like give up on your goals or lose sight of it because it's you know, it's never, no one ever has a perfect buildup, even if from social media, from the outside, you know, it, it seems that way. So I think <laughs> that piece is really important too. And I, yeah, you're just, you're dropping so much wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> so one other thing I want to add though, to that, that I thought about as you were talking, um, is I think one of the, I think the biggest lesson, so I'm shocked. I forgot to mention it. The biggest lesson I've learned from, uh, being injured is that, just how privileged we are to be able to run. So I think all you want to do when you're injured from day one of injury to day 100 of injury, if you're injured that long, is run. Like that's really what you want to do. And that's all you're thinking about is like, what's it going to be like to run again pain-free? Because that's a feeling you probably haven't experienced when you're in the thick of injury. And one thing I've learned um, coming back from injury is to really be grateful for just the simple act of running and to really uh, think about those who don't have the opportunity to run uh, due to um, some medical reason or some other reason and to be really just grateful for the physical capability of running pain-free like some of my favorite runs are the runs where i'm coming back from a pain or an injury and i'm just smiling the whole time not even you know obviously it's not because i'm running far or i'm hitting a specific split but it's just because i can run pain-free and go through this um, motion of something and it feels amazing and i think a lot of times when we're in the thick of training and things are going well and we're hitting specific splits and we have races on the calendar we totally lose sight of what we're actually doing. And I think at least me personally, a lot of times I 
you know, whether the weather's bad or my running's not going well, it's like, oh, I have to run today or, oh, I have to work out today instead of having the mindset of, oh, I get to run today. Oh, I have the opportunity to do my first workout back since injury or uh, just like reframing your mindset, I think, is a, a very powerful thing that injury can teach you. Yeah, for sure. It gives you such a renewed appreciation for running, like you said. Like, and, and I think then moving forward, you like you just said, you start to catch yourself, you know, on those days where, like, maybe you're tired or the weather's bad. You're like, I get to do this. Like, and I'm running pain-free. And I think just having that, like, appreciation for it, too, is, is really powerful, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, so along those lines, um, what – you know, you talk a lot about, you know, gratitude and appreciation. So what, you know, what have, what are some of your favorite parts of, of high school running? Like, what do you feel grateful for in terms of your experience with your high school running so far? What are kind of, you know, a couple things that make you smile or some of your favorite parts that, you know, make it, make it what it is for you? Yeah, I think my overall favorite part is putting in work and then seeing a refreshing result. I think that's something with anything in life. It's like whether the result isn't necessarily what you wanted it to be, I think it's a very refreshing thing putting in work and then uh, seeing a result come from it. And just the pure fact of getting faster. Like I remember um, going back to my fifth grade self who was dumb enough to time trial a mile and then try again a few hours later, like 550 pace would have felt like a sprint to that kid. But then this past winter, it was like, I ran 10 miles at 550 pace and it was like pretty chill. And just to think that, you know, this grand progression can happen, even though it doesn't seem like that in the present moment. And then trying to use that Uh, mindset for myself currently it's like oh what pace feels hard for me currently and where am I going to be five years down the road with that pace so I think like the general aspect of putting in hard work and seeing results has been one of my favorite parts and then from a relational standpoint I think everyone in running or at least most people in running are very very good and nice people and uh, some of my closest friends don't even come from the own, my own school I run for. They come from other schools. And just that very communal aspect of running and, you know, texting the group chat, who's going to come to this park for a long run in the morning? And it doesn't matter where you come from. Uh, we're all going to put in the work together. And um, I think running is a very individual sport but it can also be a team sport. But I think it's like an individual sport in the way in which Um, but also a team sport in the way in which like you're trying to achieve these individual goals, but then you have even competitors who are helping you achieve those goals. So using the long run example, right? These might be your competitors, but you're still going to have that smile on your face as you're, you know, gritting out the long run with each other and you know, they're getting better and faster, but they know you're getting better and faster and neither of you really care that the other one's getting better or you're getting better. It's just the aspect of putting in hard work with each other. That's a really special feeling. I love that answer. It's like, it is, it's just like a bond. Like, you know, when you're saying, even if it's people from, you know, a different school or ultimately your competitors, I think it's just the bond that you form from, again, kind of going back to what we were saying earlier, you know, like all being out there and working hard to be, you know, for everyone to be the best version of themselves, I think is, is really special. And I forgot that I didn't touch on this when you said it, but I am so like, in shock at your dedication to uh 
to go back and do that, that try to get that 5:30 mile or, or go redo it <laughs> in the afternoon. <laughs> we didn't, we didn't touch on that, but I'm, I'm sitting here like, wow, Dominic is, uh, he's hardcore. You are, you were, uh, <laughs> taking, taking it back and running it back in the afternoon <laughs> and, and trying again. <laughs> yeah. I will say I would love to meet fifth grade Dominic. And, um, once we touch on the podcast a little bit more, I'll share some more crazy stories of my young self. I don't really know what I was thinking, but I definitely admire my dedication at that age when most kids would probably be pe- playing video games. And I decided to run through the lactic acid and try to beat my 5:30 that I had run previously. But, uh, yeah, that's a definitely a fun story. Yeah, your your dedication was was strong from the beginning. <laughs> Is there anything you would um, go back and tell fifth grade Dominic, like right now, based on some things that you learned? Like, what would you go back and say to your to your younger self? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the biggest thing, and I've mentioned this a bunch of times, is to uh, be very process-oriented and not worry about future Dominic, right? Worry about that current fifth-grade Dominic and what he can do to maximize his potential. And then also, along with that, I know a lot of people have said that and this answer on my podcast, but just to have fun with it, right? There's absolutely no reason in fifth grade that you should be mad about um, one running five thirty in the mile, but also like you shouldn't be mad about a result and then go outside four hours later and try to, you know, beat that. It's like, even the fact that you're choosing willingly to go out and run an all out mile is very admirable. Like if I knew a fifth grader who did that, I would be like, Whoa, what are you doing? That's awesome. Um, so I think being process oriented, uh, like focusing on what I can do in that day to maximize my potential, Um, and it's definitely a bit tricky because it's like in fifth grade, I really don't think you should put much weight into running. Like you're so young at that point, but then also just have fun with it and really enjoy the process of things and enjoy just, again, like the simple act of running. You're in fifth grade, you have a healthy young body, um, you know, enjoy it while it lasts and enjoy and like start to develop your love for running because I think fifth grade, especially, and we might get into this was like those were some of years where I didn't love running as much and I definitely viewed it more as a chore. So to really enjoy it and uh, love the sport. I love that. Well, now I guess we'll, we'll get into uh, more with fifth grade Dominic um, as you, you kind of keep referring back to maybe, you know, kind of the beginnings of the podcast. So we'll kind of switch gears from the, the running well, what, you know, what inspired you to start, uh, the running effect. Yeah. So again, crazy start in running when I started as five years old. Um, we then moved to Ohio, uh, in, I believe I was in third grade and the previous year I won my diocesan championship in second grade. So I was like over the moon, loved running. Then we moved to a new state and, uh, completely new system, some faster kids, whatnot. And that's kind of when I stopped liking running. I definitely didn't like it as much. And, uh, but in not liking it, I didn't put in as much effort, joked around a little more, which again, totally fine at that age, really does not matter. But because I didn't, uh, put in as much work, the results certainly weren't the same. So in about, uh, sixth grade, I slowly started putting more effort into it. And I believe I got fourth at the championship in cross country at the end of the year. And I was like, man, you know. 
I, I, I was one place off of a medal and that's all you care about in those days is those shiny medals. So I was like, I, I got to put in more work. So seventh grade comes around and, uh, we're talking about stupid training from fifth grade Dominic. Believe me, seventh grade Dominic was way worse. So I thought how you got good was just, you know, again, I had a few off years of really not like trying hard and, uh, I made up for that certainly. So just a fun little example of how dumb I was at training don't try this at home, kids. Um, the week of the championship meet, right? So we both understand training philosophy very well at this point in our lives, Elise. So we both will laugh at this. Generally in the championship week or like, you know, in your case, the Olympic final, you're going to taper down training. You're not going to be doing workouts or you will be doing workouts, but like it's more going to be like a taper workout, you know, turnover, whatnot. Well, my smart self decided we had this championship race on Saturday. So I thought to my genius self, Wednesday I'm going to do, and the distance at this point was a two mile time trial, or two mile was the, was the distance. I'm getting ahead of myself. So what I did on Wednesday was a two mile time trial. So questionable in itself. It's like, what are you doing? So I, I ran, I think 1142. So I was happy with it, but I think I wanted to do better in hindsight based on what I did the next day. So Wednesday, do this two mile time trial run, uh, pretty good for whatever. I think I was somewhat pleased with it, but the next day I'm like, I think I can do better. So the very next day, Thursday, two days before the championship meet, I'm like, I'm going to redo this thing. I'm going to go even faster. I do another two mile time trial and ran 1133. At this point, I'm over the moon. I'm like, man, I'm fast at 1133. Like, I don't know how many of my competitors can beat that. Uh, let's just say on Saturday, um, now I know why I did so bad, but um, current day Dominic didn't understand. I got fourth. So again, one place off of medals. To make this even worse, I got out leaned at the line. So I was in third place. I would have been fine with third place. I get out leaned at the line. So I'm like, oh man, like I, I legitimately started crying. I was like, I was so frustrated. Um, my hard work of that four miles all out over the previous like 72 hours did not pay off. Shocker to no one. So anyways, that's when I realized one, you, you know, working hard is important, but you really should start seeking advice of actual people who know what they're doing. So basically what I did over the following year going into eighth grade was I would find these super fast runners. I would find their emails or whatever. And I would just like bug them about training and their own careers and stuff like that. So I did this to Edward Chesrek, Alan Webb, like you name a fast runner. If I found their email, you could bet $100 I was emailing them and asking them any question that, you know, eighth grade Dominic could think of. So then that eighth grade, I started to train smart. I did not do any two mile time trials back to back. Um, I think I only did one two mile time trial and it actually made sense when I did it going into the season. Um, I trained very smart. Um, I really enjoyed running. I got my love back for running. It was very enjoyable and I loved working hard. And I ended up winning uh, the championship race uh, that season. So obviously over the moon. But then the thought kind of came across my mind of like, oh, wow, you know, I did this, you know, again, not, it's not like nationals or anything, but to me, it was a big deal. I was like, I did this quote unquote amazing thing, but I definitely attributed it to a lot of the people that helped me and uh, taught me that running time trials back to back was not the smartest way of doing things. 
So that's kind of when the idea crept into my head of like, well, how many kids are, are out there that don't necessarily have the answers to some of the questions of a runner trying to be good? Um, and that's when I was kind of like, well, there is this thing called a podcast. And um, I was like, you know, I again, back in eighth grade, I realized I was way too young to start a podcast. But that's when the idea first crept in. So then I kind of like was way too scared to start one, but I thought it would be a cool thing to kind of take the knowledge that I had been given and distribute it on a broader level for people who might be in the same position I was in. Um, again, I don't think anyone would be stupid enough to do two time trials in two days, but who want the knowledge and want to get better. And then um, I was talking to a fellow friend of ours, Alex Osberg, who I talked to quite frequently and... Uh, he was, I, I basically asked him if he'd be interested in being my first guest because I was very comfortable talking to him in a long form conversation and he agreed to do so. And that's kind of where the running effect was uh, brought out of. And um, yeah, it basically started out of my not being smart in middle school and then seeking advice and then realizing that, oh, wow, I've kind of come a long way due to this advice and then thinking, oh, I think there are probably people out there like me who could use this advice from top people in the sport and apply it to their own running and lives to become better runners and better people. So that's the long form version of how the running effect was started. Wow, that's a great story. I Again, I like keep saying this, but I'm so glad we're doing this and that, you know, your listeners will finally get the history of of the running effect and, and how it was born. And I think that's, it's like really special that, you know, A, you were like bold to reach out and ask advice and ask for help and be wanting to, you know, learn and grow. And then I think, you know, the fact that you then wanted to share that with others and help other people that might be you know, in the shoes that you were in in middle school of, you know, looking for advice or kind of how to, you know, enter the sport and um, kind of how to go about it and, and lessons that you can learn or things that you can apply. So I think that's super special that, that you're doing that now and you're, um, you know, doing a lot of interviews with people that are sharing great advice that's ho hopefully helping um, younger younger versions of, of Dominic or up-and-coming uh, runners, which I think is, is really special. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, what's been, kind of going off of that, what, what's been the most, you know, rewarding part um, of starting the Running Fact now that you're, you know, a couple years in it and, and over 50 episodes deep, what, is, what has been the most rewarding part of, of doing it? Okay, so starting this out with a funny answer, the most rewarding part is um, maturing and going through puberty and having my voice actually sound somewhat normal. So I think the <laughs> the funny part is le I legitimately cannot listen to the first few episodes because I, I just had, I'm not going to say the worst voice because it was a very normal voice for, you know, g going into a sophomore year of high school. But it's very funny to hear my voice progression through the past two years. So it's been a rewarding part realizing I've gotten a better voice uh, over the past two years. But from a serious answer, um, I think one of the biggest rewarding parts is being able to talk to people and learn from people like such as you and foster these really meaningful relationships that not only help my running, but help my life a lot more than my running. Um, and I wouldn't really have... While I am distributing this podcast to whoever wants to listen to it in the world, 
uh, at the same time, it's like I'm kind of being mentored by these people for an hour, you know, once a week. And uh, I think that's a very cool and special thing that most people don't have. So it's very rewarding being able to talk to people way more accomplished than I am. And, you know, you talk to your average runner and or your average high school runner, and they obviously look up to people in the sport. And there's really nothing keeping them away from reaching out to those people in modern day era with social media and access to people a lot easier and uh, it's been awesome just being able to talk to people I've always looked up to in the sport of running and like even for instance the other week I had Colin Little on the podcast amazing podcast would highly recommend it but then Shalane Flanagan reposted the interview and it was like am I seeing this correctly Shalane Flanagan reposted my interview and uh, that was like you know that was definitely a rewarding thing to see that you know hard work pays off and uh all the hours that people don't see behind the podcast pay off. And again, like using running as a theme, if you put in a lot of work, you're going to see a good result. And uh, I've certainly experienced that with specific episodes. There have been episodes where I definitely have not been prepared enough. And in doing so, uh, the episode definitely isn't as good. And then there are other episodes where I pour my heart and soul into it and the questions and anything else and uh those episodes do a lot better and the questions flow a lot better and uh yeah it's just a very rewarding thing to uh see hard work pay off so those are those are two things i think that are very rewarding that's awesome i love what you said too of like you know feeling like you're kind of you're having mentors and getting these you know special kind of like hour-long conversations and then you know that you're also sharing them with the world. So along those lines, um, what are some of the, you know, biggest lessons that you've taken away from, I know it's, it's probably hard to choose, but from your, you know, podcast interviews or the, over the last couple of years, like what are some common themes or some big lessons that have really resonated with you and helped you? Yeah, uh, that is such a very big question and could have its own interview in and of itself. Um, I'll go about this from a common theme perspective. I think everyone speaks on the importance of consistency. I think everyone's career is not linear uh, from a success standpoint. Everyone has, like, going into that a little bit more, everyone has very big ups and everyone has very big downs. And there's no specific progression that can tell of success. There's this book you were part of, um, I think it's called How She Did It. Um, if I'm not mistaken. And that definitely goes into this theme of these amazing women and they all did it differently, right? Every single woman profiled in this book uh, got to their amazing stage of success in a different way. And I have certainly seen that throughout my guests. You know, some are national championships, some are national champions in high school, and then they struggle in college or whatnot. Some aren't really good in high school. They walk on to their college team, and then they end up having this amazing college career, which goes into an amazing professional career. So I think the consistency aspect, the success not being linear, people have different paths. Um, I think those are two of the biggest themes. And then um, a third theme, uh, uh, more of a fun one, is just like how good, realizing how good people in running are as people. Like, I really don't think you get that with most sports. I'm not saying people in other sports are bad people, but I think especially in running, people want to give back to the sport in some meaningful way, whether that be hopping on a podcast with a 16-year-old, which I'm sure is a weird thing to do, or like being a mentor for voice and sport like you and Vanessa do. Um, so I think runners are truly amazing people as well. 
And I just going off of that, I think one very, very helpful thing about running is that if I was into football, there's absolutely zero way I would be able to have a football podcast. Doesn't matter how passionate I was about it. The reason being, you know, NFL players are just way too hard to reach. Baseball, MLB players are just way too hard to reach. And the fact that with an email, I can get in touch with an Olympic uh, runner, an American record holder is really beyond me. And it's just so cool that these people are willing to take time out of their day to speak with someone, whether it be me or Sidious Meg or another platform, and distribute this out to the world. Like, I think, you know, as much as people criticize running, I think the professional athletes do a phenomenal job of being vulnerable and sharing their story. Um, and I think from a podcast perspective, you know, there are way more running podcasts out there than there are NFL or MLB or NHL podcasts for the specific reason of runners are very willing to give back to the sport in a meaningful way, which I don't think you see in other sports as much. No, I love that. And I think, I mean, that's, we have you to thank for starting a podcast, you know, and giving, you know, you, Sidious Mag, I mean, all the running podcasts, like you said, to, you know, give people that platform to like, you know, share what they've learned. And I think that makes, you know, people's journey through sport even that much more rewarding as well if they feel like they can, you know, share their story and, and hopefully inspire others. So mm-hmm. we're grateful to have you have you doing the running effect. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. For... <laughs> um, so, yeah, kind of one last question on um, the podcast. Um, is what are you most excited about um, in regards to the future of the running effect? And, you know, where do you see it um, going from here? Yeah, so the biggest piece is consistency, being consistent with it. Um, It's way more fulfilling to come out with an episode every week than to come out with a bunch of episodes at once and then a long break. And uh, so I really want to be consistent in the future. And really take this thing as long as possible. I'm not saying I'm going to be podcasting when I'm an old grandpa 50 years down the road, but I certainly want to continue to use this as a platform to help the next generation of runners or really anyone uh, to be inspired from the best in the sport and use those lessons for their own running in their own life to be their best version of themselves. Um, So that's one way I really want to continue the consistency aspect Now, from a more detailed perspective, uh, some things like some projects, uh, I want to eventually have my own website where not only can people find the podcast there or whatnot, but start writing articles and start having uh, professional athletes write articles. I think one thing that's lacking in running is there's this mass in nothing against runner's world. If anyone from that company is listening to this, I'm not trying to slight you in the slightest because actually in middle school like that, those were some of the first running material I loved and read and I would read every single month's issue. But part of the problem is, uh, you know, marathons are such a big deal uh, in America and in the world. It's like the most popular thing uh, for like recreation is half marathons, marathons, road races. And part of the problem is all these websites and magazines are very much designed for the everyday runner. And that's not a bad thing by any means, but I think it kind of neglects the other side of serious runners. Um, And you certainly have good websites like Women's Running, Podium Runner. Uh, Runner's World has their fair share of good articles every now and again. I'm sure I'm leaving out other amazing websites. But my point being, I don't think we hear enough from the athletes and I don't think we give the athletes a chance to 
voice their opinions uh, of things other than their workout splits. It's like I care way more about Elise Cranny talking about confidence than I care about her talking about doing eight by mile on the grass and how it felt, right? And I think people are going to get a lot more from Elise talking about confidence than talking about her workout. Because again, as I was talking about a while ago, it's like, if I hear about Elise running eight by mile, I'm just going to throw out a random number. In 515 average, it's like, that's not very applicable to your average female high school runner who might have that PR as a mile, but that's going to be very applicable if she talks about confidence to that high school runner. So I think like having a website and combining not only the podcast, but a writing, a place for writing and other projects uh, would be an amazing thing uh, in the future. So that's definitely a project I want to work on. Uh, so that along with just the consistency piece of continuing to be consistent be consistent and uh, pump out as many podcasts as I can, uh, I think are two of the biggest things I want to continue down the road. Awesome. Well, I am uh, pumped to see the, the running effect website when it comes to life. And I think, you know, I think the articles would be really cool too. Like you said, you have, you know, you could write some, I just feel like even, you know, taking things kind of like we talked about today, like common themes or things that you learned, like, have athletes write them at all levels, you know, you could have articles from high school athletes and collegiate athletes and professional athletes. Mm -hmm. I feel like, um, there's just so much to like learn and connect, um, at every level. So yeah, totally agree. I look forward, look forward to seeing that. (laughs) Um, all right. I have one more question and then I'm gonna, I, we got to do the going to the well segment in, in reverse. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Um, but last question first, um, as, as you've already kind of mentioned a couple quotes throughout the, the episode, but I know you love your quotes. So have you always um, found motivation from quotes or when did they kind of become a pretty big source of inspiration for you? And if you can pick one or two, what are what's one, uh, one or two of your all-time favorite quotes? Oh, that's tough. Uh, so in my journey of learning how to train properly, I definitely started reading a ton of running books and running magazines. As I mentioned, I read Runner's World. And in doing that, I realized that a lot of things, again, we're talking about how running and life are applicable, but a lot of things in life are, uh, or a lot of, yeah, a lot of things in life are applicable to running and vice versa. So I kind of started reading a lot of running books and listening to runners on podcasts or whatever, and them talk about books that have had an impact on their life. And then I would go out and get that from the library and read that specific book. And that's kind of when, you know, I started getting into self-help books or like deeper books. And obviously those books are filled with amazing quotes. So I'd say like late middle school is when I kind of started to really enjoy quotes just because they put things in perspective really well. And it's like almost like a sentence or a paragraph like from a quote can almost like sum up Uh, a feeling of a day or a feeling of a week or a feeling of a month or just the culmination of so many things. And I think it also can be a great teacher, like just these small things. I think a lot of times it's the small things in life that hit hard. And I think that's certainly the case with quotes. Now, as for my favorite quotes, uh, my, I'll share a few. My favorite quote in regards to running currently is, uh, Mastery is the best goal because the rich can't buy it, the impatient can't rush it, the privileged can't inherit it, and nobody can steal it. You can only earn it through hard work. Mastery is the ultimate status. 
I think I sent that one to you before you absolutely killed the number two all-time U.S. 10K time. So I think that one works. Um, one for life uh, that I think is, you know, just hits very deep. And this is from the book Man's Search for Meaning, which I would highly recommend to anyone, is everything can be taken away from a man but one thing, the last of human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose to choose one's own way. And then last but not least, I probably shouldn't share this many. You asked for one or two and I'm giving you more. And I think this is uh, both applicable to running in life and uh, even starting a podcast when I was way too scared to start one, even though I thought it would be a good thing, is we must all suffer from one of two pains, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret, right? So it's like, you know, at the end of the day, you are going to see a time on the clock and that time on the clock is going to tell a lot about how you prepared for that specific race. In podcasts, it's like, you know, the finished product is going to tell a lot about how you prepared for it. You are either going to regret not putting in the work or be fulfilled of putting in the work from that discipline. And then in life, you can use that for the same example as well. Wow. I love it. I love those are three great quotes, and I I know who to come to whenever I, I need a good quote. Or like you said, you you always provide them uh, the inspiration before a race with your quote, so they they pack a punch for sure. They totally do. I love quotes. Well, I feel like a bit of an imposter, but I'm very excited to uh, hit you with some rapid fire questions. So I wish I could do a, a Dominic voice, but are you ready for the going to the well segment? <laughs> Absolutely, Elise, I am. I'm excited. <laughs> okay, what's your favorite piece of running gear or technology? Uh, it would be a very cliche answer to say, um, you know, like super shoes or dragonflies. So I'm going to try to go out uh, outside the box and go to a completely <laughs> different sport and say my favorite piece of technology is the bike. Now, here's why. A lot of times if you get someone on the bike, whether it be a parent or a sibling or a friend, it makes the run go by so much better. So uh, outside the box answer there for you. So the bike is my favorite piece of technology for running, simply for the fact that it can make runs a lot more bearable sometimes. I love that. I think it is like the, besides having a, a running partner, it's the thing that will make a run fly by, fly by the best. So totally. I, I love that answer. <laughs> All right. What book has had an impact on your life? Um, we could be here all day talking about books that have had an impact on my life. I would say I'll give you three. I'm giving you way too many answers. One is Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. Phenomenal book. Life changing. Uh, two is Atomic Habits by James Clear. And three is just because I mentioned a quote from it. I'll use it is uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. I need to go read that book. I, it's been recommended to me so many times, and my dad has read it a lot of times. So I think that that needs to be added to my list to read it. Read it out camp probably. Yeah, it's so good. It really puts a lot of things in perspective, and uh, it's one of those books where you feel like you would get just as much out of it the hundredth time you read it as the first time you read it, which I think is something very unique that most books don't have. Yeah, that's who you're just... Oh continuing to uncover new things which is awesome totally all right let's um have you describe your own coach in one word uh this is tough um 
In one word, I would say thoughtful. And I say that because he cares more about you as a human than a runner. And I think that's something more coaches could do. Oh, I love that. All right. If you could eat only one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Um, I'll probably be made fun of for this just because it's probably the most basic runner answer ever, but I'm a fiend for oatmeal. I love oatmeal. Uh, I eat it at least once per day. And uh, yeah, that would probably be the one meal I would easily be able to eat for the rest of my life, especially because you can do so much with oatmeal. Um, you know, you can make it sweet, savory, whatnot. So although I have never had savory oats, so I shouldn't even go there if I haven't tried it. Um, it's weird how people put <laughs> eggs on their oats. I won't go there. I just can't imagine that. So oatmeal is my answer for you. All right. I like it. I like it. Um, if you had Gordon Ramsay coming over for dinner, what would you make for him? Uh, before I get to that, Gordon Ramsay is definitely a like dream guest. He's actually run like eight or nine marathons in his career. So maybe one day I will get him on the show. That would be amazing. But as for, uh, let's say this dinner made or broke, uh, if you would come on the show or not kind of basic, but I make a mean stir fry, a chicken steak doesn't matter. I make a very good stir fry. So I would make Gordon Ramsay stir fry. Dang, that sounds delicious, and we definitely need to need to get him on your podcast. Maybe you guys can have a like recording over over dinner. There you go. I want to see it. So that, Not, that can also be the the future of the running effect is Gordon Ramsay. Totally, totally. Not to not to get uh, back into the weeds of things, but I think one thing too that's so awesome is you see these like big figures and people don't actually know that they're runners. Like there's so many very accomplished people that are runners, Gordon Ramsay being one example. Um, and it just shows how special running is and just how many people do it and how universal of a sport it is. I would say it's the, the most universal sport because you don't need new, you don't need much to do it. Just a, a pair of running shoes, but not even that in some countries, like in Kenya, they don't run with shoes. A lot of them, especially the kids. So I, I would go so far as to say running is like the, the universal sport, which is super special. I agree. Yeah. I had no idea he was, he was a runner. So that's pretty cool. Um, okay. You usually ask us who's, uh, the one stepper on Bowerman. So my question for you is, are you, uh, a one stepper on your team or is that not you? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, the school I run for is very small school, or at least they don't have a ton of runners. So they're probably like 10 to 15 of us. Um, and, I don't necessarily run with my team every day on easy days, but when I do, absolutely, I'm the one-stepper to the point where usually I drop most of them. So, yes, I'm definitely the one-stepper on my team when I run with them. As bad as it is, do I admit. Dominic is the ultimate one-stepper. There you go. Discovered. You know, when I visit you and Sean in Portland, I can promise you I would not be the one-stepper in that case. I just need, I just need I like, know. faster people. There you go. We'll put it to the test. <laughs> okay do you think there are more doors or wheels in the world so on my way to practice today i was viciously thinking of this question in my head looking around my surroundings do i see more doors or wheels <laughs> that didn't help because most of my surroundings were cars which have four doors and four wheels uh so you know we could analyze this question all day and we would be here all day so i'm just going to pick one and say wheels but also, like, I've seen arguments for doors. So, you know, there's really no right answer to this question, but uh, certainly a fascinating one, but I'll, I'll go with wheels. Okay, I like it. 
And last question, I know it's uh, it's not a Bowerman podcast, but since I'm interviewing you, I have to ask you, do you think Bowerman Babes or Bowerman Bros is better? Since you've asked all the uh, all the Bowerman people that have been on your podcast, I need to know Dominic's answer to this question. Settle this debate once and for all. Um, so I will give you the <laughs> podcast host answer. Overwhelmingly, it is Bowerman Babes. There's only been one member who has said Bowerman Bros. And my most recent guest, Thomas, went so far as to say both are very cringy and need to be changed. So I've gotten very <laughs> wide-ranging answers. With that being said, Bowerman Babes is absolutely the correct answer. So we'll finish off by uh, oh ending God. that debate. Perfect, perfect. It's settled. There we and go. we need to rebrand, I guess. We need to come up with, with better names, so... That's Bowerman up to Thomas. He's the one with the issue, so he's yeah, he's got to fix that. I I, I kind of like Bowerman Babes, and I think Bowerman Bros is a fun fun spinoff. So I think both are good, honestly. But uh, I, you know, Thomas Thomas can come up with his own thing, and and we'll have to debate if that's better than Bowerman Babes or Bowerman Bros. Yeah, we'll have to see what he comes up with. <laughs> but thank you so much, Dominic, for uh, I guess having me on the podcast but more importantly <laughs> answering my questions and and uh engaging in the this awesome role reversal i've been waiting to ask you some of these questions that you you always ask us so i hope that your listeners enjoy learning more about you i know i loved hearing about you know your start in running your the many lessons that you've learned you're very wise and um you know, the origins of the Running Effect podcast and um, the future of the podcast. And I hope that you will keep it going until you're 50 plus years old. So. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Um, I, will, I, I will be a forever fan. <laughs> no, I, I really appreciate it. And I thank you immensely for offering to host this. And I'm starting to think there aren't many things in this world that Elise Cranny can't do. Um, you potentially did a better job than I have ever done as a podcast host. I'm actually blown away by how well you did. So I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to interview me, coming up with the idea and all that fun stuff. And uh, I look forward to being back in my proper, proper role as host and asking you the questions again. But with that being said, I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to each other again soon. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Running Effect. If you enjoyed it as much as I did, please like, subscribe, and share to help us out. Stay tuned for a new episode next week, and make sure to turn on post notifications so you get notified the minute it comes out. You can also follow us on Instagram at The Running Effect, and also we have a Strava Club. Uh, I believe it's called The Running Effect Podcast. So I hope you guys are all doing well. I hope your running is thriving. God bless you all.